So here we are again, um, sitting with someone I've been searching for for such a long time. It's Courtney Freeze. It's on the Whistle podcast. We are back. We are making opportunities for good people to talk to us. And today we are talking to, I'm going to put the word legendary status there because when the national team was still in their infancy, there was Roger Links. Good morning, Mr. Roger Links from Cape Town. <laughs> a, a, a place I hope to one day live in. How are you? Oh, wow. You must, you must come. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. Thank you for welcoming you on your podcast, you know. And um, yeah, it's, it's a real, it's an honor and a pleasure, you know, to to actually um, be invited onto, onto your podcast. You know, I know you, we've been missing each other a little bit, but yeah, I know I'm here and I'm excited, you know, and yeah. Good to know that the, the UK still has some South Africans out there, you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> I'll tell, tell you something, Roger. I'm looking at you, and mm. if you look at me, I've got a warm hat on. It is so mm. cold out here at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. Yes, I saw the snow in one of the games. Oh, Roger, it is cold, and it's the heating situation is, is causing such a problem. But, yeah. Roger, let's start. I'm going to tell you, yesterday evening, you would not believe as if I was preparing to talk to yourself. Yes. They were interviewing on Sky News, uh, which is equivalent to your DSTV, Lucas Radebe, who is a legend at yes. Leeds United. And he was yes. talking about his career at Leeds United. And in the early parts of his career, he had a massive injury to his, his knee, ruptured his, all his ligaments and his ACL, uh, which didn't only impact on his career at Leeds, impacted at Bafana Bafana. Yes. And then yes. at that time, he was partnering Neil Tovey in defense. I know yes. the country was very worried. Who are they going to put in place? <laughs> the door opens yeah, from yeah. nowhere in Cape yeah. Town, steps in yeah. a Mr. Roger Links. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Tell us how that happened. <laughs> wow. You know, so, yeah. So, um, it kind of all happened a little bit late for me in my career, you know. So, um so a good part of my career, I was playing at an at a, at a amateur club, um, just local a local club in in my in, in my in my area, and um, you know I was messing around there and just playing and playing and playing, but no real objective. You know, when I was a bit younger, we used to have these these coaches that used to come from England. They used to come to South Africa because I don't even remember there was quite a, a, a huge amount of players that used to come from England and Germany that played in our old NPSL, you know, so we had a a, a coach, I think Colin Bell, um, I think he was at City, I'm not sure, Colin Bell, he was, um, I think he played for England also, anyway, so he came around, you know, so my my connection with England was that already started from quite a young age already, you know, I mean, because, so he had always like, you know, given us some training and I always like thought, okay, there is a little bit more than just what we see in you know, where we're growing up, you know what I mean? So I, I think the seed was kind of planted there that, you know what I mean, I was kind of interested in in learning a little bit more and more about about football. And and in, lo and behold, one of the clubs, the top clubs that are in our area, I don't even know Batsy, they actually asked me to come play for them. And, you know, and from there, just kind of spiraled. I was, I think I was like 20, 26 already at that stage, 26, 27, which is old, you know what I mean? But in those, you know, the, I think in about the space of six years, it's been, oh, it's been phenomenal. Uh, the growth that I've gone, you know, I've, that I got just through the exposure at playing at a higher level, 
you know. So yeah, so I, I think in my 2019, I was at Spurs. I moved from Batsy to Spurs, and then um, I got picked for the national team. The first team actually that was selected to play back in no, no, got accepted back into FIFA. So I was part of that group, the first group, you know. So as from Bafana, Bafana, we didn't quite know, you know, what I mean, what was expected of us. The coaching was, I think, um, no disrespect to our current coaches that we had at the time, but I think we were never exposed to the to football in its, in its glory or its, you know what I mean, its worldwide status, you know what I mean. So we were kind of figuring out, figuring our way in the darkness, you know. But yeah, so it was it was a good a good learning. Um, uh, I must say experience for me and also you know coming from South Africa it's kind of difficult being a colored person a colored player the only, you know the only colored player the first one that was there I know Duncan was there but he, he came and he left Duncan Crowey so I think we were the only two you know what I mean at that stage that, that actually made in that in that squad and um, it was it was a different because you know the you mind if I just come in there, uh, Roger you mind if I just come in there, just for our yes, listeners? Yes. yes. Um, colored it being equivalent to mixed race in other countries yes. uh, is another representative group in South Africa. Me, me myself being mixed race, being colored yes. as well. Um, yes. So please continue. Yes, cool. Sorry. Yeah. So so um yeah. So I made the team. It was that had its challenges, you know. Um, but you know when I finally got the, my first game, uh, um. Um, I think Sheikh Mashaba gave me my first break, um, you know, and it was really good, you know, to actually stand there, you know, and represent your country because I don't think, you know, we take, I think a lot of players take it for granted that, you know, that previous to that moment being representing your country on, on a football field, there was a lot of turmoil that you've gone through, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we, um, the country was in a real state, you know what I mean? So, actually been able being selected because I know I represented a group of people that also needed representation, you know? So, yeah, so it was a, it was a really big, a big thing for me um, to, to actually represent my country, you know, and those people, especially what I would call my people, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I... I well, I, what I will thing. say to you, as, yeah. as I said to you earlier when you and I were talking um, off air, you getting into the national team yeah. was... Was such a, a joy for other people within yeah. the country who are mixed race. Yeah. We were so happy to, wow, because I, I know yeah. it was yourself, Duncan Crowey. Yes, was Andre part of that team? And, Andre Andre came a little bit later. Um, yeah. He came a little bit later, and Mark Williams came a little bit later. Yeah, but I think that Duncan and, and myself we were the only two, you know, what I mean, that originally made it. And you know? also coming out of Cape Town, because at yes. that time the national team was such a Basically, it was a Joburg team. That's that's right. Yes, that's right. It was a <laughs> it was a Joburg team. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, you know, so I, 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 it was it was a really good experience. I made some really good friends there. You know, so I mean, you mentioned Lucas and Lucas and I were were roomies at one stage. You know, and um, so he, when I got into the team, he also just about came in. You know, and um, and he's been a legend. He still is such a gentleman. You know what I mean? So, you know, and um. I think as he had a problem with his knee, I remember we we had a game, a local game, we um, a home venue, a home game. It was I think it was a World Cup qualifier against Nigeria, and that week I was struggling with with a slight pull in my in my hamstring, and I was like taking getting treatment, and 
And on the last day, on the Friday, I was like, can I, can I, can I? Because I know, you know, if you lose your position, that's it. You know what I mean? It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to get back in. But, you know, I did the honorable thing. You know, I said, listen, yeah, I won't be able to give my, my very best, you know, because of this injury. And, you know, and, and I think after, after I lost my position there, I also had a, a little bit of a challenge with my club. So, yeah, so I kind of, I, that was my last, you know, um, sojourn with, with, the, with the national team. But yeah, it was a great experience. Like I said, if it affected a few people's lives, I think um, maybe I, the, the brief period I was there, maybe I had some impact, you know. So, so let's move the conversation into development. Uh, an article I read of yours of you are instrumental in youth development in Cape Town. Do you want to talk about one of the points you mentioned about the distraction for youths in Cape Town and the disadvantages and why youth development football is so important for Cape Town. Yeah. Well, I know know we're having this conversation basically because we know what an impact football can have on the community and on especially youth. Because there's no other better way, I take it, that you have a kid in an environment where you can actually impart into him some life skills, you know what I mean? Some some soft skills that I think can make a difference in his life. Because as you mentioned, I think in Cape Town, um, in this whole, mostly in this whole Western Cape area, Western Cape region, is that we have kids that are, that they, are, they don't have any hope. We are, I think we're going through a, a, a period, especially as a country also, we People don't have a lot of hope, you know what I mean? The government is not, is not uh, the reason I'm bringing this up because it's related, you know what I mean, to what our youth is. Because we have, we don't, we have kids that don't have parents, that don't have fathers, they have absent fathers, they have mothers that, that also don't look after them. So you have like generation back, you have a granny or a grandpa that has to look after the kids. So it's very seldom that you have a good solid family foundation where these kids come from. Because now what happens when you have this kind of thing is that they have different other fields of, of, of our communities coming in and stepping in like gangsterism. Because kids, young men, they don't, uh, they don't feel part of something. Gangsters or gangs make them feel part of something. And they don't have any hope. They think that's the only way for them to go out. So, so football kind of helps a lot with that is if we can keep a lot of these kids off the streets and keep them in an environment where I think that they can have some hope because that's the first thing they need. They just need hope. And football kind of will provide them with that hope. So so I, I think that if I look at our, where our youth is going, there's still such a lot of them that's lost, you know. Um, we mentioned off, off, um, just before we started the show is that you were mentioned that there's three clubs that um, PSL clubs that just stopped the academy setup. Now, I've been involved in academy setup setups all my life. You know, so I, I, when I when I finished playing professional football, I went into I, I did for a year coached at senior level, but then I went into youth development. And I, I think we our our academy systems as a system are, are letting our kids down is that a lot of the kids, the good kids, come from these these disadvantaged backgrounds, right? That's where the talent is. But because 
there's there's only a few clubs that can look after such a that look that have such a big how do I say um, basket to pick players out of that they can just take and drop into it. So now you take a kid out of a out of a community that you've been struggling and he's now the supposed to be the hope for the for his family and then they cut him. You know what I mean? So he feels like his whole world his whole world has dropped out under him. So now I feel that that in that in this way, I think academies have kind of left. They, they've kind of they're letting our, play, our kids down. So that's what I'm trying so would, to do. Would you say, Roger, would you say, yeah. sorry to come in and, and no, I, no, I no, just no, want to add please. to your point, because yeah. like I said to you, in the Premier League, I know of two professional clubs, um, Brentwood and Aston Villa, that a few years ago cut their youth development teams, Not don't have them, have founded yes. a an area where a lot of money is currently wasted. But are you feeling that there's almost a responsibility to have these, not just for bringing through footballers, but saving the youth? I think I think, it, I think it's needed, but I think the, the focus of academies are wrong. I think the focus of an academy is to produce the next Messi or to produce the next Tyron Minx or to produce the next Saka, you know what I mean? So that is their focus. And I think... I think if I look at what Aston Willis may be doing, I can see what it is because you're throwing millions and millions of pounds into a structure where you're hoping to find one player. So this is my opinion, and this is where I think where you look at the broader, the broader, the broader uh, 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 scope, I think, is where your community clubs go. Because in a community club, you have a lot of dads, you have a lot of moms, you know, you have a structure in there, you have kids, that all of them are not going to really be the best, um, but they form part of the game because without them, we don't have a game. So I think from a pro professional perspective, we always look at the elite of it, but we don't understand that on grassroots level, without those, without those kids and those dads and those referees and those, we don't have the game, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm at a club at the moment. We, I'm, we know we're trying to do something where we can... So we've got a, a connection already to a school, which is like an online school. So we're trying to take like kids, like good kids, and say, okay, um, go to go to school, and then you we'll try and give you some specialist training, but also you train with a club. You know, um, you train with a club. You're part of the community. You're part of the the family. You know what I mean? So because I feel I, I don't I feel like I mean I know I've read about it, but in the UK a lot of kids are, are suicidal when they leave. There's quite been quite a few uh, um, suicide attempts of players, and you know some of them are committed already. So kids are going coming out of a community um, for I don't know how much years, six years. They've been told you're the best thing, you're the best thing. You're gonna be the, you know, you're gonna be the savior for England or for South Africa, and then all of a sudden you get cut your whole world because you lived in the football bubble. And I think if we can take kids out of the football bubble and show them there's much more to life than just actual football. Maybe there'll be some hope for them because what happens is, is now if a kid doesn't make it, he, he thinks, oh, I don't want to take the chance anymore because we, there's already such a little hope. Will it risk having to be, having the risk of um, having to fail at something that he thinks he can maybe be good at? Um, I, I think it's, I think we, we need to look at how that all that whole academy thing is actually set up. And, and, and we're trying to do it a little bit different here. And hopefully we, we can make a bit of change, you know, because I think it's, it works to a network, you know what I mean? 
say we have say we have a talent which we think he can maybe um, he can he's got a chance. Let's see if we can he can do it. We can through the network just try and push him. So you don't really need an an elite academy or you need a football club or a PSL club or a professional club in order to push them through. You can do the network, you know. Let Let's come back to Bafana. The current Bafana, Bafana uh, coach, Hugo Bross, who's in the country, who has been highly critical of some of the points you just mentioned about yes. not being ready, uh, yes. the players not being at the level. Yes. Um, what do you see as the future with the current Bafana Bafana setup, heavily weighted by Sundowns players? Yes, yes. What do you see is our challenges and what should be our expectations be for yeah. the future? I think I think the coach, the national team coach, I think he has, he has made some really valid points. I know it can be can be very controversial. I think he steps on a few people's toes because you know at ease, you know what I mean? You I if I see an apple all the time, everything else is an apple, you know? If, if you bring an orange in oh, I like I, I like that saying. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that saying. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta coin that. You gotta coin that. <laughs> you know, you gotta put a tweet out that this is that's my saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so so you bring in so now all of a sudden you have an orange and someone say no, I, there's not just apples there, there's oranges there. Um, um, and let's let's look at it because I think he's I think it's a lot it's a frustration from a lot of people in the industry in the football industry is that we're just not we're just not there. You know, and and I think that Sundance with all its with all its money, um, they buy the best players. Now, for me, having the best players in the country sitting on the bench can be very. Um, I think it's not really good for the country because I think the bet, the more you play, the better you get. You know, so you will have like a top centre back sitting on the bench because you've got another top centre back sitting there, and you've got to get some game time. So yeah, I, I think you know, in a way, um, I, I think Sundowns have been good for the country. I think they've been good um, with all the success they've had on the continent. I think they really. I just think we I, I, maybe it's the other clubs got to be a little bit more adventurous. I think a little bit risk a little bit more, do something you know to catch up to Sundowns because Sundowns is. Hog in the market, you know what I mean? And they can, not with money, but also with the success that they've got. So because if I say, listen, I can give you an X amount of money, uh, but also I can expose you to a bigger market, you know what I mean, into Africa, I'm going to take that, you know what I mean? So the challenge we have with, with the you, younger players. I agree with you. And there's examples out there where the coin can really flip. It's yeah. not always the norm. That can yeah. be should be in charge. Um, we look at the the uh, Leicester City situation in the biggest league in the world, where you yes. have um, Man City with all their funding and Leicester, little known Leicester City, created that change. Uh, yes. You look in the current PSL uh, yes. when I played in it, Manning Rangers at the time. That's where I was. Yes. We, we yes. had nothing, absolutely yes. nothing. I won't even yes. like. We didn't even have training kits. But we had all these big teams, KZ Chiefs, Mamalamadi Sundowns. And I remember Gordon Ingerson, you know, the the, yes. the 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 dictator he was is we just need to be fitter, work harder, and don't concede goals. Three points. Yes. 
yes. three point plan. Yes. yes. You know, kind of so it can happen. It can yes. happen. So I agree yes. with you. The teams need to risk this. Yes. Yes. I, I, I think we. It's going to be a little bit controversial, but I think our identity, we need to really have an identity because we're always talking about South Africa and we this and we that. But if you look at if you look at Argentina, you know what you're going to get, right? You know Brazil, you know what you're going to get. If you look at England, you know what you're going to get, you know? So I think Germany, you look, Germany's interesting for me is because the last two World Cups, they haven't done really well. So for me, I can already see they're probably going to shake up something. In the, but they'll do it on the grassroots level because they know what they do on the grassroots level affects the national team. Our, our focus is always top down and it should have been should be bottom up, you know what I mean? Because I think if you if you invest more on your grassroots, you're going to have a stronger national team, you know. But now we we do is we focus downwards. We say, what is a what does a peace out team look like? How good is a peace out team? You know, are they good for the national team? But I I think even at that level, a peace out is kind of we there's a lot of deficiencies in place. Because so, I've been kind of lucky in that when I was at IX Amsterdam, I'd spent some time at Amsterdam. And you can see from a young age already at Ajax Amsterdam, the kids are already taught from a very young age, you know what I mean? What they're, they're instilled in them discipline and the way, the philosophy of the club, the way that they play, you know, the mentality. Our kids don't have that kind of kind of foundation, you know? So we're picking kids up at on the lower, at a club level, or we're picking them at 20, 21, or 18, 19, or 21, and then they reach 24 and we say they're a good young player. 24, it's, please, I think at 24 years old, you're signing your, probably your big contract, you know, your pro contract. So our, our, our age grouping, I think it's way out of sync with what the rest of the world is. So if you look at a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old and he's showing a lot of abilities already, he should be pushed into, a, a, into that space. And, and invested in in such a way that he, when he reaches the pro ranks at an earlier age, he can make a difference. And you can see it happening. You have the Jude, I mean, the, the Bellinghams and all those kids coming through, the next generation of young kids coming through, but they've already been prepared. Wow, you know what I mean? So I think that is where we're struggling a little bit because it's, at 24 years old, you can't call a kid, a, I mean, a player, a young player. He's a, he's must be a seasoned pro already at 24 years old. So yeah, so so that's our challenges that we have in this in this country is that we have to start looking from the bottom up and say, listen, yeah, this is our plan, you know, everybody's got to follow this plan. Not you have your different regions doing their own thing. You will have maybe South of Cape Town have their own vision, you have Kauteng, you know, South of Kauteng doing their own thing, then Popo, Eastern Cape, and then and then they're saying we're supposed to get good results. We won't, you know. I think this is the reality. We're not going to make much of a difference on the continent and getting into into world world tournaments like World Cups and stuff like that if we don't start doing something different. We cannot do the same stuff over and over. So we got a new head of football, you know, technical director um, that's now been in place. You know what I mean? That's been appointed in Safa. Um, let's see what comes up. You know what I mean? I'll be interested to see because I'm really quite interested because you know i'm in a unique area cape town you know we have like our, our our way we play football is a little bit different to the rest of the to the country you know what i mean so we have a little bit of 
a little bit of nuggety stuff, and you've got, you know what I mean, you always have um, directness about that play. Um, but those are skills, I think it's, if you look at, let's just look at the 1996 African Cup of Nations team. They were, they were a good blend of different talents, you know, from different areas, you know, different regions. And we got success. I think, I think if I look at it, that's probably the model, you know what I mean? If you, you had, you had some kids from the Western Cape, some players from the Western Cape, and they brought something different, you know, from, from, from Gauteng, from, and I think it was just such a beautiful blend, you know what I mean? But I think we've lost that kind of blend, you know what I mean? That maybe our scouting, our talent identification is a bit wrong, you know? I think we, I think that's a big focus nowadays in any club, talent identification. Thank you so much for being with us today. You've been very gracious with your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure sitting and listening to you, your thoughts. We hope to be able to welcome you back again onto oh, our show. Be really good. But I just want to say thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you so much, Kurt. Thank you for having me. It's been such a, a blessing, you know, to be able to speak a little bit about what's, what's on your heart. You know what I mean? It's really good. Thank you so much.